Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw Audio Experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my latest podcast episode, I'll explain why I think this recessionary period will actually be a good thing for the grocery business long term. But before we get started, I would love if you took 47 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Recessions aren't all bad news. Let me repeat that. Recessions aren't all bad news. I'm starting to read like scarier and scarier headlines, so I think it's time to balance all of that fear-mongering media stuff with some level-headedness. There's a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to recessions. While it may seem counterintuitive, recessions aren't all bad news. The clouds that settle over the economy during a recession do in fact have a few silver linings. So I want to talk about those within the context of the grocery business. And just so we're on the same page, when I say grocery business, I'm talking about the CPG industry, yes, but also up and down the grocery supply chain and value chain. So in this piece of content, I will be tossing in some love to the grocery retailers, contract manufacturers, and agricultural businesses. Okay, let's start at the definition of a recession, or I guess the lack thereof, since there isn't an official one. Most pundits use as a practical definition of a recession two consecutive quarters of decline in a country's inflation-adjusted gross domestic product. Gross domestic product, or GDP, is simply the value of all goods and services a country produces. Although this definition is a useful rule of thumb, it has drawbacks. A focus on GDP alone is narrow. And it's often better to consider a wider set of measures of economic activity to determine whether a country is indeed suffering a recession. Maybe a better definition of a recession is a significant decline in economic activity spread across sectors lasting more than a few months, normally visible in production, employment, real income, and other indicators like retail sales. A recession begins when the economy reaches a peak of activity and ends when the economy reaches its trough. So have we been in a recession anytime in the last three years? Yes, some have classified the great lockdown as an official recession and others have classified Q1 and Q2 of 2022 because of the consecutive year-over-year GDP declines. Are we currently in a recession now? Yes, no, maybe the practical definition says no, since the third quarter of 2022 GDP rebounded. But I think like the field test 
would tell you that a recessionary fog has been getting thicker by the day. Whether it's the Federal Reserve issuing aggressive interest rate increases to curb historic inflation, huge investment losses across massive asset classes, growing bankruptcy notifications, or forward-leaning indicators like the yield curve inverting to the steepest levels in 40 years, these things could be why you're seeing all these like scary headlines throughout the last year or so. But enough with the broad economic information, let's get into the grocery business. I might as well start off by saying something controversial. This recessionary period that will continue into the back half of 2023 will turn out to be a long-term positive for the grocery business. Since we are starting off controversial, how about I talk through some silver linings within arguably the biggest challenge over the last year? which would be the food at home inflation rate. In 2022, food at home experienced inflation levels of just above 11%. From a consumer standpoint, this is obviously not great. Inflation continues to be a top household concern and it has caused many to actively manage their finances. But here's an interesting insight that got unlocked because food inflation was both sharp and sustained. Grocery businesses, were able to observe how extreme price elasticity of demand models played out in real life. Within the last 30 years, outside of 2022, there was only one year where food inflation had been over 5%. That means most modern grocery businesses didn't know how consumers would respond to meaningful price increases. As American consumers, we've become drunk on low prices for decades and Maybe this was an unwanted, but a very much needed step in our recovery. Now, some CPG categories were able to pass along costs with minimal impact on volumes, while others quickly experienced that price increases would negatively affect demand. Here's the good news for both sides of the coin though. Commodity prices have fallen and everyone can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel regarding high labor costs and then also some of that lingering operational disruptions. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But how those two sides of the coin utilize those insights should be slightly different. If you operate in a CBG category that quickly saw demand declines, then it's time to start lowering prices in a promotional way first and then slowly dropping it back down to a level that dissuades many food shoppers from pulling back categorical spending. If you operate in a CPG category that was less impacted demand-wise despite huge price increases, a la like energy drinks, congrats. You found yourself in a more advantageous position because you have optionality. As a few examples, you could play a more aggressive promotional activity game, look at strengthening your brand marketing, or you could lean into more aggressive R&D plans. Right now, if you look at the IRI inflation tracker against the IRI demand index in the grocery business, 
the pricing numbers really haven't come down much yet, and that's why you're seeing a slight drop-off in demand. So the CPG brand strategic decisions are important to agricultural businesses because at current elevated pricing levels, demand will continue to be relatively weak. Another group of external threats that agricultural businesses are dealing with is the impact of changing weather patterns and animal health threats, which probably brings us to a good silver lining transition. Agribusiness has seen enough signals over these last few years and will use those lessons learned to bolster its resilience within this current recessionary environment. That will happen through digitization, technology, and advanced analytics that will help agricultural businesses more effectively leverage their assets. Several emerging ag tech companies, along with leading ag equipment manufacturers, continue to develop farm management systems that will allow for full integration of the farm onto one platform. From a CPG standpoint, it's kind of like an ERP system. So these link tractors and precision sprayers to crop yields and wearable devices for animal health. But beyond the capabilities already in market, the future farm shows potential for the implementation of digital twins that allow producers to manipulate real-time inputs to model future scenarios. While the levers pulled by agricultural businesses will vary, one thing is certain, they will be more in tune with the profitability of their operations and the rest of the supply chain will need to adjust future strategy with this in mind. Moving a level up or two or so in the supply chain, contract manufacturing has also experienced a silver lining that's helpful to the grocery business. For one, contract manufacturers have stepped up and dealt with the brunt of the tight labor market, health-related operational adjustments, and just the general supply chain chaos, which has allowed CPG brands to transform into a more focused, streamlined, and resilient group of companies with more targeted asset footprints. Sufficient contract manufacturers add to the flexibility of the grocery business value chain. A more than sufficient number would then create an elevated level of competitiveness, which is happening in more specialized categories. And it's generally good for CPG brands because these contract manufacturers then must expand offerings into what I like to call value-added resources. To make up for these value adds, which generally can't be like sufficiently charged down to the CPG brands, contract manufacturers will lean more into automation, robotics, artificial intelligence, and various other innovative technologies to alleviate these tighter margins. Shifting into the grocery retailer space, the most obvious initial silver lining is this recessionary environment has kind of made more consumers want to eat at home. But instead of just stating the obvious point and moving on, let's explore what these last like few years of higher revenue triggered because most of them now are realizing that the good times can't roll on forever. We've already heard about the Kroger and Albertsons mega merger that's expected to close in early next year, but that news likely got the mergers and acquisitions wheels turning with other supermarket chains. To sure up competition, regional grocers will look to acquire peers or smaller operators to fill in key markets. Beyond mergers and acquisitions, more investments will be made in elevating in-person shopping experiences and providing more space to omni-channel activities. 
Additionally, grocers are realizing that their private label generated affinity among grocery shoppers seeking inflation relief, and those can now be leveraged into more customers buying premium store brands, which transitions us maybe back towards the CPG industry and maybe specifically the premium position CPG brand landscape. We can debate if real versus absolute buying power increased because of this wage inflation, but there's little evidence out there that consumer interest in cleaner, healthier, and at times more functional food options abated in any material way over the past few years. Yes, there's still a noticeable gap between consumer intention and consumer action, but signs are pointing towards the long-term secular health and wellness trend providing all kinds of positive contagion effects for the broader grocery business. Here's kind of the bad news though. Many of those premium CPG brands won't make it, despite arguably operating in an increasingly positive business landscape. Why? The decade-long free-flowing capital environment created far too many brands. So we will continue to see big down rounds for survival purposes, under the radar mergers, a lot of times with supply-side partners, again, for survival reasons, and brands that seem to have had traction just kind of disappear. And despite me thinking all this only the strong survive stuff is actually normal cyclic activity and net positive for the grocery business, I have a feeling that probably most of you don't agree with me. So let me leave you with this one last silver lining. Scary times are usually the best times for CPG entrepreneurship. Most of the stuff discussed in this content was most impactful to those doing already like eight figures or more. If you're thinking about starting a premium CPG brand, this is still a great environment to attract those first thousand or two customers in one large metro area, because if you have a high repeat rate, that's really all you need to get to your first million in sales. So quit making excuses about recessionary macro environment stuff and make it happen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 